Today's episode of 11 Personnel is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Rams tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can also save you serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. What's going on, Ram fans? Hopefully you're keeping your head up right about now. It's hard to do. I totally understand. Uh, I'm Vinny Bonsignor with The Athletic, joined by Rich Hammond, also from The Athletic. And this is 11 Personnel, your definitive Rams podcast. And we're probably here to try to explain, uh, maybe be some uh, voice of reason, hopefully. uh, Maybe a shoulder to lean on for some distraught Rams fans. And I know there's plenty of them out there right now as the Rams fell to... 3-3 three and three after their third straight loss of the season uh, Sunday at the Coliseum. It's, it's, it's weird that those words are even coming out of my mouth given you know where this team was to start the year and all the aspirations uh, and, and where they, they truly believed they were headed and their fans uh, were, were right there along with them. But here we are, 3-3. Three and three. They're in third place in the NFC West looking up at the San Francisco 49ers, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, and the one-loss Seattle Seahawks. It's it's dire straits right now for the Rams. And Rich, uh, you know, you were at the game sitting right next to me in the press box, and uh, we had to kind of rub our eyes a few times to to, to kind of figure out, are, are we really watching the Los Angeles Rams down there? Because uh, there were some, some crazy things that happened and some things we just don't see from them very often or have at all over the last two years. Rich, uh, any, any feelings uh, coming out of that loss? Any thoughts coming out of that loss that you can uh, kind of maybe, maybe create some hope for some uh, hurt Ram fans right now? Um. No, not really. No, no. Everything's pretty bad, I think. Uh, that was the weird thing to me, Vinny, is you talk about, you know, it just looked so out of character to me. I mean, we, we sat through 2016 and, and what that looked like. And then we sat through the, the heights of 2017 and 2018. And, and it just it didn't look anything like that. And, and that's what's concerning. I think if you're a Rams fan, it, it has to be concerning is it's, it's not the little things anymore. It's not just, oh, there were a couple turnovers or, oh, the run defense was porous or there were dropped passes or things like that. It's just you can look at something and say that doesn't look right. And and to me, that's kind of my takeaway. And I know that's general. And I know if you're listening to this saying, well, I'd, I'd expect a little bit more from a reporter who watched the game than, than just to say it doesn't look right. But I think we know what that means, Vinny. And I, and I think a fan who has watched the last couple of years know what that means. We, we've come to expect a certain standard from the Rams, particularly on offense, and a certain style of play, a certain rhythm, a certain identity. And we're just not seeing that. I mean, we saw it on the first drive of the game. They run the ball. They march it right down the field. They don't even need to throw it. They don't need to throw it. They're running the ball that well that they they just marched right down the field and scored. And then that was it. That was absolutely it. There was almost nothing else in that game that, that looked like the Rams. And credit the 49ers, and we need to say that straight up, because they played a very good game and they're having a very good season. And you need to credit that 49ers defense in particular. 
and, and credit the offense for keeping the Rams off the field. Once again, they won the time of possession battle. Uh, they, they took the air out of the ball. They, they prevented the Rams from going on long drives. Um, 49ers did very well, but we expect more from the Rams, and we're not seeing it right now. And that goes across the board. It's everybody from the players to the coaches to even management, I would say, uh, based on some things that we're saying. So seeing so, uh, Vinny, you know, you're around the locker room. You're, you're, you're at all the road games. Um, I, I'm just curious, what, what's your take? It, it's You can kind of get a feel for a room sometimes. Sometimes guys are angry. Sometimes they're frustrated. Sometimes they're just kind of throwing up their hands. I, I, what, how do you think this is evolving? Like, how have you seen this over the last three weeks? Is it exactly the same? Or, or do, do these games feel a little bit different to you? Well, that's the thing, and that's what I'm kind of writing. Uh, it's, you know, all three of the losses are so unique to themselves uh, that, you know, trying to find the answers uh, are, is, is going to be really hard because it's across the board. One day it's this, the next day it's that. One day the offensive line is getting pushed around. The next, you know, the secondary is having a difficulty, you know, defending uh, on, on the back end or giving up big plays. Um, one, you know, one series Jared Goff looks good. The next he's overthrowing, you know, uh, an open wide receiver. So there's no... You know, it's easy to say it's just the offensive line, and granted, the offensive line has not been good, uh, but there's an across-the-board sort of condition right now with the Rams that you just—it's—it's it's almost like you know, um, it's not a question of you know if something bad will happen or if they'll stub their toe or 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 whatever the case might be. It's like when and who, who this time. Um, and so that makes it really hard to figure it out because it's across the board. And on top of that, there are moments when they look really good. Uh, they look like the, their old selves right now. They just can't put it together consistently. Uh, there's no real anger. Uh, I don't think in the locker room, this is a pretty tight, uh, group and, you know, th- they look around and, and for the most part, they see familiar faces. So they're like, you know, we've done this before. It's not like this team hasn't done this before, or gotten it done uh, before most of the key guys are in that locker room, yeah, they've lost a player here or there, uh, but for like the vast majority uh, of this team went to the Super Bowl last year. They're the two-time defending NFC West champions, so it's not so much panic. It's maybe a little bit of bewilderment, like what's what's going on and how do we get this fixed and and um, how can we just get back to playing consistent football? Which it just seems like that's what's eluding them right now. Yeah, it is, and and that's the weird thing. And you know, Vinny, I, I know you're writing about this too, but you can't take a long time to figure this out. I mean, there's six games in; they have already fallen what three games back now of, of the 49ers in in the NFC West. Uh, Seattle's still there and is not going away. Uh, so when you talk about you know that you punch your ticket to the playoffs by winning the division, and then after that you have to help for hope for a wild card help. And we've talked about it all along, Vinny. You, you want to be peaking. You want to be on top of your game when you get late in the season. You don't want to have to be scrambling to try to win the division or even try to, to win the wild card. And the Rams are putting themselves in that spot right now. There's still a long time left in the season. I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. But now is the time, Vinny. You can't sit here and, and be losing games in October and, and, and expect that, oh, okay, when, when December comes around, we'll be on top of our game. And I think maybe that's a little bit what the Rams were thinking. I, I know we're going to get into the offensive line a little bit, but you know, 
I think they thought they were good enough to maybe, okay, if we have some bumps early in the season, it'll be okay. Vinny, I know you say this on on every podcast because you, you got some really good kind of intel and some uh, quotes from a coach who said, hey, you know, we, we may not be there right now, but, but we're going to be there at the end of the year. Well, that's great, but you still got to put yourself in position to be there at the end of the year. And right now, they're, they're not there. Uh, and Vinny, we need to talk probably first off about the offense. And, and the main thing being Todd Gurley did not play. We, we knew coming into the game, the Rams actually yesterday, uh, Saturday, ruled him out. Uh, so they knew coming in that he wasn't going to play. So you had Malcolm Brown, you had Daryl Henderson, um, and you had pretty much the rest of the offense. So how do you think that that impacted things, if at all? They ran the ball 22 times, uh, which is you know a pretty good number for the Rams this season. Not having Todd Gurley, uh, was it a positive in some ways and a negative in others? Is, is that too much to say? Or, or how do you assess kind of his absence and, and what it meant to this Rams offense? Well, initially, it almost looked like a positive because I felt like Sean McVay was calling the games kind of the way he likes to, which is build a run game. And too often this year, uh, the Rams have been shy to do that early in games because it sure looks to me like they were trying to save Todd Gurley or just you know pace yeah. Todd Gurley. And so he would be on the field uh, early in games but not really being used in the run game. Well, Todd Gurley wasn't there, nor nor was you know load management, uh, um, so to speak, and so it was free reign to be able to just do what you want to do in the ground game, and they did that to start the game with Malcolm Brown. What was it seven straight runs? Yep. Or seven straight runs total. Uh, I think he might have had six of those carries for an easy touchdown to start the game. To you know to start the game and start the game off right. And then Daryl Henderson comes in and breaks off, you know, a couple of long runs, and they get back down to the, you know, goal line, and they're they're looking good. Um, but then it just went away. It just it just vanished in thin air. The Rams ran for a hundred and was it two yards in the first half. They ran yep. for seven more the rest of the game. I know a lot of that has to do with the amount of plays. Yes, you said that. Um, you know the the uh, the 49ers you know took the air out of the ball a little bit but a lot of that was just because the Rams offense wasn't doing anything they fumbled to start the second half that was the a back backbreaker right there mm-hmm. uh, cuz it led to the 49ers touchdown to go up 14-7 if i'm not uh, mistaken and they just never rebounded from that the offense was was pretty much non-existent from that point forward um they couldn't protect Jared Goff they didn't have enough time to throw it looked like their whole um half of their game plan was out the window in terms of what they like to do down the field because they just could not protect him uh in order to make those types of throws they weren't even trying those type of throws primarily because I'm sure they kind of saw within like we're not doing a good job protecting this what you know right. so that's almost out right. so um you know it was it, it, it's just it's it's a head scratcher uh because they like you said they just don't look like themselves right now and I thought defensively they actually played a winning game I mean if you were to I predicted what 28 20 something so the the 49ers you know were right there or less than what I actually thought that they were going to score um, you know, so the, so I thought the the defense hung in there and, and played well enough to win, but they just didn't get any help from their offense whatsoever. Right, that that's the thing. I know if people you know want to talk about the defense. I mean, they gave up twenty points. It's not yeah. you gave up twenty points in the NFL, and 
13 really I right mean, sorry to cut no you off, you're right that, that, you're right and yeah you can say well you know the 49ers were at the one and didn't score but the rams made a play there so you know they yeah so you know, 20 points if you any other season you would say the rams are, are going to give up 20 points you you would feel pretty good about that you know based on the way that this offense is is supposed to perform and and we can talk a little bit more about the defense a little bit i, I have some thoughts maybe on the the type of, of coverage that they play, especially against some of the guys they were facing today. But, but Vinny, I want to talk about this offensive line, and, and I'm going to write about it too. But I, 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 we talked, I think it was the very first podcast we did, and we said, we, I think we agreed that make or break was going to be this offensive line. We could talk about anything else we wanted, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley's knee, the defense, whatever, but it was all going to come down to how this offensive line plays. And Vinny, I just I, I like these guys individually, and I'm not saying they're not going to get there one day, but I'm sitting here six games into the season, and I think they made a mistake. Um, I just I'm not blaming anybody in particular, and in fact, I think you can look at the two veteran tackles in Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein and say that the quality there is not what you're expecting either, not what it's been the last couple of years for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but the line in itself, they, they, they gambled, Vinny. We all know this. They let uh, Roger Saffold walk. He signed a huge contract in Tennessee. Should the Rams have paid him that much money? No, they shouldn't have. He got, I think, $44 million uh, after his 30th birthday. I, I can't see a team doing that when they have other guys to sign. They let uh, John Sullivan walk i don't disagree with that either because the effectiveness had started to wane there and it it wasn't going to come back he wasn't going to rebound at that point uh but they bet really big that they could get by and develop these interior linemen and it looks bad to me Vinny. it's just you see it in spurts obviously the rams had success running the ball on the first drive but after that the running lanes just were not there and then Jared Goff, we talk so much about it, but just the comfort level in, in the pocket. He, he, Vinny, he looks to me like a guy who's expecting to get sacked. And, and you can't play quarterback that way. You can't stand back there and just not be thinking about getting the ball downfield and, and either in the back of your mind or, or with your eyes thinking about the line. And, and I'm not saying Jared's not making mistakes. He is, and and his footwork and, and his escapability is not uh, at the point where you, where you can get by. He's not a Russell Wilson. He's not a, a Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. Um, he does need that protection, and and to me, it just to me that's where it starts. And and I just am not sure that the bet that they made bringing in those young guys is is really paying off right now. Yeah, and. Um... And, I, and I, I totally hear what you're saying, and, and it sure looks like, you know, uh, that is the case. I don't know. I mean, a gamble, um, it's hard to say whether that was a gamble. They drafted both Noteboom and, you know, Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen specifically for this scenario. They felt like they had a sound play, uh, you know, uh, plan in place. Um my thing would be it, it would it would be a huge glaring mistake or or an you know uh, ill willed uh, ill advised I should say uh, uh, gamble if there was somebody else that was there available that they could have brought in better I don't know if that I don't know if that is necessarily the case considering where they are in their salary cap um, you know who they've you know the, the commitments that they already have the commitments that they have coming up uh, they just felt strongly like. 
Joseph Noteboom is going to be fine, and Brian Allen is going to be fine. Um, was that a mistake? I think Brian Allen's playing reasonably well. Uh, I, I think Joseph is out of position, um, not playing his, his comfortable position. That was a bit of a gamble right there, I guess. You know, just assuming that he was going to be fine at, 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 at left guard after playing tackle his whole life. So um, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But on top of all that, there's, you know, Rob Havenstein isn't playing up to his level. Yeah. Andrew Whitworth isn't playing up to his level. There's been sloppy play. There's been penalties. There's been mistakes. Rob got beat badly on a sack. That's going to happen from time to time. You know, there's many snaps as you take. That's going to that's happen. But we rarely saw that happen the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, but I'm with you, regardless of who's at fault, the fact of the matter is, uh, guys just haven't played to the level that the, the, the expectation that, that was create that was in place for them. Um, and that's been a huge problem right now. Yeah. The the, the sequence to me, and, and the other thing, I mean, before we get too far away from it, you know, again, Joe Noteboom gets hurt early and I think it was still the first quarter late in the first quarter so so they have to put Jamil Demby in but again this is something where that's the position that they created for themselves they they have three young interior linemen and basically nobody behind them so Vinny I think you make a good point about yeah who was available and that's that's something right. to look back on I don't particularly remember that free agent class at the moment could they have gotten gone and gotten an upgrade I don't know maybe they could have um, but that's that's a fair point you can't just pluck any offensive lineman and say, oh, because you've been in the in the league five years, you you can do this. Um, you know, it has to be a certain fit and a certain uh, type of player. So maybe maybe that was their best option. I, I guess that's fair to say. But Vinny, that, that sequence, the one that's going to stick with me, and, and this is late in the game. So, you know, you can say it had already gotten away from them or whatever. But, you know, they're, they're down 17 to 7, I think, at the time, or it might have been 20 to 7 by then. But uh, give up a sack. Havenstein gets beat bad around the edge for, for a nine-yard loss. So then, you know, you're looking at third and 19, okay? And, and I think it was around the Rams 20. The 49ers are rushing at most four guys. It might have been three. I think it was four. The Rams have protection. The the 49ers defense is spread out. They look like they're playing soccer, you know, because they got guys all over the field. They're not even, they're not, their goal is not even to get to the quarterback. And not one, but two guys got to Jared Goff, both off the edge. And they basically met in the middle and, and sacked him. I, I think it was Armstead and Ford, which would have been their, their two ends. So uh, I just looked at that and went, oh, my goodness. Like, you're talking about a, a four-man rush on a third and 19 play, and they still got home in a matter of, of seconds. And, again, you can say the game was already, you know, gone at that point or everybody was disjointed or, or what have you. But, it to me, it's just so far away from from uh, what we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think we, we can debate Jared Goff, and, and I know everybody will. And, uh, you know, the throws that he makes or, or, you know, how he deals with pressure. But, Vinny, I, I think this has to have an impact on him in some form, doesn't it? I mean, I, I've never played quarterback, but I have to think if, if that's in your mind a little bit, then you're, you're not going to be the same confident guy in the pocket that, that you might have been the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think there's any question. And, I, and, and I, I've been saying this. I think it goes right back right to also Sean McVay. I don't think he's as confident a play caller I agree. Um, as he as he. Uh, as he is, you know, and he's as confident as they come. 
But I think he sees what's really going on with this offensive line, and I think everything that he's doing right now um, is reflective of that. I, you know, heck, even how he's probably used Todd Gurley, like, you know, th- that's a whole other other issue. But um, you know, maybe he's, I don't know, I don't want to say that he's concerned that he's going to get hurt, you know, running too many times behind this offensive line. I'm not going to go that far, but. Yeah. Just the plays that he's calling, the type of plays, the type of pass plays that he's calling, they didn't take one shot, I don't think, no. downfield. I might be wrong. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not, that's not by accident. They're, they just don't feel comfortable, right. you know, uh, uh, calling those type of plays when, you know, they don't, they're, they're not comfortable that they're going to be able to block it and they're going to be able to protect their quarterback. So they had to go to shorter routes and, it's just it's it's seeping into everything right now, and and you know I hate to point fingers at you know one group, but the reality is the offensive line just hasn't played well, and it's uh, kind of affecting a lot of things. So we all knew that, you know, when when the Rams made their big jump in 2017 and 2018, you can argue that the offensive line was as important as anything. We were everybody was wondering in 2016. Was Todd Gurley just a one and done? Was he just a you know one hit wonder freshman star, and then all of a sudden he's terrible? No, it wasn't that he turned bad. It was the offensive line was horrible that year. And if, even if you go back to his 2015 season, the first four games were you know he came on came on like gangbusters, and then the then the rest of the league decided no, that's who we have to stop. We're just going to gear up. That offensive line is not good at all, you know, and and we'll stop him. And they did pretty much for the rest of the year. So he had a great start to 2015, and then it was all downhill from there because he wasn't getting the blocking that carried over into 2016. And lo and behold, you go out and you get John Sullivan. You go out and you get. Um, you know Andrew Whitworth for, as as your left tackle. You put Roger Saffold at left guard uh, uh, and keep him there. Rob Havenstein, who was not healthy in 2016, is healthy in 2017. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're talking about and they stayed healthy that whole year. They stayed healthy all of last year, pretty much. You had continuity, you had talent, you had efficiency, and you had one of the best offensive lines in the league the last two years. And the offense flew as a result. Yeah, Vinny, I think you saying it seeps into everything is is spot on. And, you know, people ask, well, you know, what's going on with Brandon Cooks? How come how come they can't hit Brandon Cooks deep? You know, because they can't. It's not that they don't want to, I don't think. And obviously some of this is the coverage, too, and, and how teams are adjusting to Sean McVay and all that. I, I do think that that factors in. But this is not the same kind of offense that we've seen. And, Vinny, I, I will say, you know, I, I think we have both defended Jared Goff a, a fair amount. Uh, but the one thing I, I will say is that he, he's never going to be, again, he, he's never going to be Russell Wilson. He's not going to be the guy who spins out of trouble twice and, you know, throws against his body 40 yards down the field to make some dazzling play. But so you, you don't expect that from Jared Goff and, and you're never going to. But but the thing that, that I think, I, I don't know, he somehow needs to, to do a little bit better with this is he's got to have that pocket sense a little bit. I mean, watching... Uh, you know the Chargers the last couple of weeks. I mean, Philip Rivers has been under you know, as much uh, pressure, if not more, than Jared Goff, and and he hasn't always handled it the best either. But the one no, the, he throws interceptions. He does throw interceptions. Yeah, it. but but the one thing those guys can do is they can kind of feel it, and even if it's just a hop step up in the pocket or a quick step to the left or the right that you know buys you a, a half second or whatever Jared he just can't stand there and and you know not either not feel that pressure or not adjust to it and, and I think that's a little bit of 
of an issue there. Whether or not it's just that he's he's used to that kind of protection that he's had the last couple of years, or it's just he's got to have a little bit better of a sixth sense for that sort of thing. But you, you can't just you can't just be a target back there when when you know those guys are coming and, and when you know that you're. Uh, protection isn't isn't quite what it's going to be. So is that on Jared? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you no, know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. No question. Um, and it's it's almost like sometimes he's playing on the 2018 clock when it's the 2019 clock. Right. Uh, and and interestingly, if you if you go back and watch uh, his tape from the last couple of years, he does actually have a pretty good sense of things when it's being you know blocked normally. Uh, he's right, he's he's right. shown that he has a little bit of. Uh, uh, escape mechanism to him and some decent, some really actually good footwork to just sort of buy him a second or, or recreate a, a throwing window. But I mean, the fact is, and, and, uh, you know, let's not sugar. He's been playing under seas this year. The stats show all that, um, you know, he's, he's uh, at least going into this game or maybe it was going into the Seattle game. He was playing under the most pressure of any quarterback in the league. That's, night and day from what it was the last two years he was probably the most protected quarterback the last two years i got i didn't get into it with a family you know when i was down on the field for the last five minutes you know some a a fan was was asking me about that and jared and you know and and i'm like you know you can't you know because like well anybody can if you're protected any quarterback can and i said to him how many quarterbacks have the rams gone through in your lifetime uh, right. a whole right. bunch. How many good ones? Eh, not too many. I go. Right. How many great offensive lines have the Rams had over the years? They've had some great offensive lines. When you're talking about some of the Hall of Famers that they have, and us growing up in Los Angeles, we remember those offensive lines. You can't just say that you could put anybody behind a really good offensive line. And they're going to be a great. You put Roger Staubach behind some of the offensive lines that the Rams had back in the day, and there would be Super Bowls in Los Angeles right now. Flat out, yeah. they were that good offense. You know, as an offensive line, they just didn't have the quarterbacks to be able to take yeah. advantage of that. So Jared Goff has shown that he can take advantage and play well. Um, you know, when protected well, not everybody can do that. I'll argue that till the cows come home. That you can't just put somebody back there and say, you know, uh, now play great. You know, just because you're being blocked for it. There's not only a few people on the face of the earth that actually can do that at a high level. He's one of them. What he isn't is what you're saying. He's not a guy that's going to be really good when he has to really legitimately scramble and make plays with his legs on a consistent basis. That's not who he is. But if as long as you know that and as long as you build a team accordingly around that, you'll be fine and he'll be fine. But as you said, the the Rams erred in, in, in how they went about with their offensive line. They had some faith in some guys and that faith hasn't been rewarded. And on top of that, Two of their other guys, you know, stalwarts in in uh, you know in, in Whitworth and Havenstein, just haven't been up for the challenge as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, and I, I would provide a little bit of contrast when when we look at this game. Uh, you know, the 49ers come in without their two either one of their starting tackles, so that's a big problem, especially when you're talking about you know a Rams team that has Aaron Donald and, and can bring some pressure off the edge and that sort of thing, but. What did they do? They, they, I thought they had a really good game plan. And I'm not trying to draw a contrast between Shanahan and McVay, but they stuck to the, they ran the ball 41 times. They only got 99 yards. They did yeah, not the Rams the actually ball. ran for more yards. They did, and, and a much better average. Um, yeah. but, but, they stayed, <laughs> but they stayed with it, 
And the other thing that they did is how many screen passes did they throw, Vinny? It seemed like every other play or every other pass play at least was was some type kind of screen pass or something on the flats. You know, they, they got Kittle in those matchups. And obviously he's a beast, as you said. Oh. Uh, you know, he's just a, a matchup nightmare. But but they got him into that space. They threw passes to the running backs. I, I think they threw, if I'm looking at it here correctly, they, they targeted the running backs with seven passes and, and, you know, got some pretty good yardage there. So the 49ers were not winging it down the field either. I mean, they, they made some good inter- intermediate throws. Again, I, I have a little bit of issue with that that Rams coverage. I I, I want to really want to look at the all twenty two before I make some statements about that. But it, it seemed like there was there was some space there that that you, you don't really like to see um, if you're a Rams fan. But regardless, the, the point being, I, I thought the 49ers had had a good game plan with that, and they probably knew coming in that they were going to get some pressure. That Jimmy G was was going to be under some some duress there because. You don't know what your offensive line is going to look like. So they, they stuck with the run game, even though it wasn't bearing a lot of fruit. And and they hit some screen passes and, and some, turned some short passes into long passes. So is there a little bit of a lesson to be learned there for Sean McVay? Or can there be? Is there anything that he can do to, to kind of mitigate some of these things that we're talking about with the offensive line? Um, well, I mean, I think that that's a plan that he's drawn up <laughs> a lot of times. You know, yeah. So I think he knows... Um, you know, I think he knows the recipe, uh, and, and again, it sure looked like he was on, on the right track, uh, to start this game off. Uh, but then, you know, the, the 49ers made some adjustments and again, I felt like the offensive line just wasn't consistent enough. And that's not just in play. There were some penalties, there were some, you know, uh, sloppy penalties where they kept shooting themselves in the foot on, on first downs. And that's, you know, for the Rams, you know, uh, positive yards, you, you go look back the last couple of years, they were so good on first downs to get themselves in what Sean McVay, and we all know the, the, the second and manageables, the third and manageables. Well, when you're not, you know, uh, living in that world, when you're living in the opposite world where it's third and long, sometimes third and, and you know, beyond the 10 yards, it's just it's just not good. And that's – so it's, it's, it's everything with the offensive line from efficiency – to effectiveness, um, to, to bonehead plays, to missed assignments. It's just a whole uh, slew of things that's, that's going wrong there. And, and again, it's seeping into everything, and it's, and it's really you know, hindering uh, the, the Rams right now. So, yeah, you know, I, I liked what the, I liked what the 49ers did offensively for the most part. But, you know, again, I thought the Rams' defense played pretty darn good. They hung in there uh, to, to where the 49ers, they were they – were, one of the best running teams in the NFL coming into this game, if not the best running team in the NFL. So to be held to under a hundred yards on that many carries hats off to the Rams defense. They just, and they gave the offense chances a couple of times. They turned them away on the goal line stand. They gave, they, they gave them a, a interception and a return um, to, to start a, a drive and get back into this game um, deep in, in San Francisco territory. And the Rams just couldn't, couldn't you know t- take advantage another whole a holding penalty killed them on that drive by yeah. Brian Allen um yeah. and they couldn't make up the difference and and they 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 walk away with no points so yeah I liked what the I liked what I, I'm a big huge uh you know Kyle Shanahan fan uh, but it just it to me it wasn't the ramp it wasn't the 49ers offense that won this game and while I'll give the 49ers defense a lot of credit um I still think there was exploitable situations for the Rams to uh, take advantage of. They just couldn't 
get it done in the trenches. Uh, and, I, and I really think that's basically what this what this kind of boiled down to. Again, yeah, and and, and number numbers that matter to me. I mean, time of possession. 49ers 38 minutes and 52 seconds to the Rams 21.08. So basically two thirds of the game, you know, the ball's in the 49ers' hands. And then uh, third downs, uh, 49ers go eight for 17, uh, basically half, and one for one on fourth down. The Rams 0 for nine on third down and 0 for four. They were terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so Terrible. that's you, you do that. That's a game right there. I mean, you look at those two stats right there, and that that usually will tell you who won the game if right. you look at if that, those numbers. So, and it certainly did. Vinny, um, let's let's talk about one guy, Daryl Henderson, because there's been so much chat about him on our podcast, and, and I know we both get a lot of comments um, about why we hadn't seen him uh, for the first five weeks of the season. Obviously, he goes in uh, this game because Todd Gurley is is hurt, uh, wasn't able to play with that thigh bruise. So Terrell Henderson comes in and boy, you know, how about your first game rookie? You know, he, he comes in, busts off a 22 yard run on, a, on his first carry. Beautiful pitch. Uh, next, very next play, 14 yard run. Beautiful run. I mean, what the cuts that he was making and just his footwork and his acceleration. You can see absolutely what they're thinking with this guy, right? So he comes out for the first play of the third quarter. What happens? They pitch the ball to him, you know, right off of his hands for a fumble. And I'm not laughing. It's not funny, but it's just it's funny in the sense of isn't that exactly how sports goes? I mean, this poor guy has been waiting for so long for his opportunity. He, he looks like magic for a couple of carries there. And, and then it, you know, it goes away because uh, there's a big mistake. So Vinny, really small sample size, I, I know, and probably nothing we're going to make judgments about, but six carries for 39 yards. And, uh, you know, I, I saw something there. I have to admit, I was not real high on Daryl Henderson based on what I saw in the preseason. And I know coaches look at different things. I know when they look back at the tape, they'll be looking at, you know, was, did he make the right block? Was he where he was supposed to be on certain plays? Obviously, they're not going to be real happy with that fumble. But I, I think I saw something there, Vinny, that, that maybe they can build off of. Um, what did you think based on the, on that small sample size? Yeah, I felt really bad for him on the, on the pitch to start yeah. the second half. I mean, he had, put it this way, he had earned his way to start the second half. That's yes. how good he played in the first half in just that short uh, little little sample size that you mentioned. And all of a sudden, first play of the second half, it's a pitch right on his hands. He probably had some room to run. That's probably what caused him to, to kind of peek ahead a little bit. Uh, before securing the ball and, and disaster. They put the ball at the 17-yard line. The Niners score a touchdown four plays later, and, and it's 14-7. to The Rams' offense has never heard from again, essentially. So, yeah. uh, But uh, I liked what I saw a lot. I think it's something for, the, for him to, to definitely build on. The question now is where, how? How are we going to – how is Sean McVay, I should say, going to get him – involved in this in this offense uh, because you figure Todd Gurley is probably going to be back right next week so how are they going to implement him into the game plan a little bit more but I think they need to uh, because what he showed uh, me today was the ability to take it long distances from anywhere on the field Um, you know there's one more move and he takes one of those to the house uh, today um, and, and, and he showed in college that he could take it from 70 yards out, you know, because he's so fast and so quick, um, that when he sees open field, you know, he hits it and hits it hard. So I think that for an offense that's lacking that right now, we don't even know if Todd Gurley can take it. I mean, 
a guy that has done that so many times in his career, so many times over the last two years, just has not done that this year. And I know that um, limited amount of carries will sometimes do that for you, but how many 22-yard carries does Todd Gurley have this year? Um, I believe none. Maybe one. I might be wrong. I had had one 25-yarder. Okay. In... Henderson's first two carries, right? Um, he's he's breaking off long distance runs like that, and so I think if he gets the ball more, you're just going to increase your chances that he's going to bust one uh, out there. And right now, he might be the only guy on the team, running back position, with the capability of doing that. Yep, good point, Vinny. And I'll be curious to see you know where where they go from here. And and let's just let's let's end on that because all you can do is look ahead at this point, right? I mean, they're they're three and three. I I think. These next, let's say the next three games, I, I think are going to define the season. Um, they're either going to get back on track and start to build some positive momentum or this thing is going to go off the rails. And I, you look at the next three weeks and it's not a conventional schedule, Vinny. And I know you know this very well because you've booked all your travel for it. But the Rams will be home this week for practice and then they'll fly to Atlanta. They play on Sunday. They're going to spend the whole next week in that Atlanta area, practice at Georgia Tech, because the week after that, they're going to London to play Cincinnati Bengals. After that, there's a bye week. And then after that, they go across the country again to play Pittsburgh. And, you know, who knows how these teams are going to look when those games actually arrive. But when you look at it on paper, those are three very winnable games. And when you're talking about a three and three team, I, I, I hesitate to say you have to go 3-0, and but I almost think you have to. I am right there with you. There's no way. I mean, um, you know, you're looking at to get to the play to get to the playoffs. Let's let's how many how many games do you think the Rams can lose the rest of the way to get and still get to the playoffs? Two more? Yeah. Maybe three? Maybe but, three, but you're pushing it. Yeah. Um You're pushing it at ten and six. You're pushing it at ten and six. Now I look around the rest of the uh, NFC. You know the Eagles lost again today. The Cowboys lost again today. I don't think. I mean, uh, the NFC East. Someone's going to have to rebound really big time. Probably just secure that wild card, that other wild card uh, berth. The NFC Central. The Vikings won. They've won two straight now. So so they've kind of righted their ship a little bit. Um, so you got the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears are still hanging around. So, yeah, I think that I think that second wild card berth could be right in that six loss range when you when you start looking around the rest of the league. I think that you know w- whether it's if let's say the Forty ers and the and the Seahawks continue to play well, there's probably your division champion and you know your your other one of the wild cards, and then it's going to come down to. You know the Rams, uh, the the Panthers, the um, or actually who, did the Panthers win today? I, I I think they won today. They yeah they beat the Buccaneers. They're winning uh, last I last I checked. You know you've got the the Eagles, you've got the uh, the the Vikings. So I don't know. You're just playing with fire uh, if you don't win these next three games that are all winnable too. But I'm I, I'm not. There's no gimme next week in Atlanta. Uh, that's going to be a fired up place. Um, the, the the Falcons typically play well at home for whatever reason. They have the Rams number. They've beaten them the last two times they've played them. So 
not really going to put that one as a, as a W uh, just yet, but they sure do need to win that game. Yeah, I, Vinny, because then you're looking after that. <laughs> You, you know, you don't want to look too far down the line. Like I said, you, you never know what's going to happen with, with certain teams. But after those three games, then it's Chicago at home. I know Chicago's not a world beater, but it, we saw what the Chicago defense can do to a Rams offense. Then it's Baltimore. Um, and then two weeks after that, it's Seattle again. So the, the, the last half of the season, you're looking at games like Chicago, Baltimore, Seattle, Dallas, these 49ers again. And two games against the Cardinals, which who knows how those are going to look. I have no idea how that's going to look. So the schedule does not, after these three games, does not get easier. Uh, if if you're coming out of those three games at five and four or something like that, I, I even think that's a little bit of a problem. I think you have to be six and three going into those. So uh, very curious to, to see how the uh, the adjustment goes this week. Uh, Vinny, the thing that disappointed me, I got to say, you know, they had that long week. The Rams had that that extra time, um, and they didn't look sharp to me. I, I don't know whether it was you and I discussed a little bit during the game. Was was the practice schedule maybe not what it could have been? Uh, was there a little bit too much time off? I, they just they looked a little out of sync to me, and I, I don't know whether that factored in or not. Well, I mean, um, you know, this is a team that's practiced one time regularly mm-hmm. on a regular schedule, regular format, regular time practice in the last two weeks. They had the short week, um, you know, uh, after the Tampa Bay game to get ready for Seattle. So those are just basically walkthroughs on, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and then they play the Seahawks on Thursday. They come back. They take a couple of days off try to regroup uh, they're back out uh, on their normal schedule on Wednesday uh, to practice fully they had all the intentions in the world they're practicing regularly on Thursday and lo and behold massive wins uh, hit in Southern California and they, for whatever reason uh, their little neck of the woods in Thousand Oaks is is very prone to those wins so uh, they were advised and I know Sean wasn't really happy about this uh, he had mentioned it like you know it takes a lot for me to have to do something like this, but I was advised basically by the people that take a look at those type of things. You're not going to be able to get your normal work in with the kind of wins that we're going to be dealing with here. So he had to reluctantly cut a practice short on Thursday. It was a walkthrough. So one practice over the last two weeks, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's everything, but I don't know. At this level, you kind of figure that that's got to play into it a little bit. And when you're when you start talking about a team – uh, on Sunday that was just really sloppy in a lot of ways, especially offensively. It's hard not to draw a little bit of a line from from the lack of practice the last two weeks to the sloppiness that we saw. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't know what, what the exact line there is from one to the other, but I, I do think there is a little bit of that at play. So Vinny, the thing, by far the thing that disappointed me the most was that Stan Kroenke wore the tan suit and and they lost and it's just oh. I'm so looking forward to that being a narrative throughout the year and i don't know maybe it was the wrong tan suit maybe he probably has like 12 of them so maybe he just like he grabbed the wrong one and didn't grab the the lucky one when, you know when he was getting dressed this morning so i'll have to do some more investigation into that but um interesting times Vinny. it's uh certainly a different feel from last year but uh, I'm fascinated to see where things go from here. I know you're going to spend the week probably doing laundry and, and packing and, and getting ready for, uh, for a very long trip, uh, both to, uh, to Georgia and to England. So um, I will be staying home. I'm actually, uh, Vinny, I'm cheating on you, I have to admit. 
I'm 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 guesting on our uh, hockey podcast Point Breakaway tomorrow. So I'm I'm joining uh, Josh Cooper and Shane O'Brien. They're off to an awesome start. That they have a lot of fun on their podcast talking about the Kings and the Ducks and everything that goes on in Southern California hockey and the Bachelorette and anything else they they feel that comes into their mind. So I'm going to be joining them to talk about Taylor Swift because uh, the the Kings took that. No, I'm sorry, they did not take down. They covered up the banner in Staples Center that uh, honors. Taylor Swift's uh, most sold-out performances in Staples Center. And, Vinny, there is a Rams tie-in here because after the Rams, or excuse me, after SoFi Stadium announced that Taylor Swift will be opening the arena or the stadium next uh, summer, the Rams have gone one and three. And this might be another story for me. You know, I, I might have to investigate uh, the, the latest curse involving Taylor Swift, but uh, there is a history of this. So, Vinny, while you are uh, over in jolly old England, I will be on Twitter fending off more Taylor Swift fans who ha- have invaded my timeline and uh, telling me I'm, I'm an awful person because uh, because I don't want a banner in Staples Center. So you have your fun and I'll have mine. Well, it sounds like you're off to a, uh, a, a, a great start on the, uh, on the two weeks. Uh, yes. Y- y- I'm wondering if she has gotten wind of any of this you know and, uh and she's like yeah. Tail, you know she's like rich man what yeah what what what's going on here what did i do to you but yeah. uh you know you kind of got a point the numbers speak for themselves so um i think it's it's definitely worth uh, a, a look to, to to get that figured out but all i do know is this that two weeks in atlanta and 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 then london um just turned into a, a really pivotal I think two weeks for 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 the Rams. Uh, they're not going to be able to solve all their problems because they need a lot of help right now. Uh, when you're start, you know, when you you know looking at the Seattle Seahawks and the and the San Francisco 49ers, they can't get that one done all by themselves. They're gonna they're gonna need help from other teams. I don't care if they beat the Seahawks again or the 49ers again in their rematches. They still need help from everyone else, the other teams on their schedules, uh, to give them a chance to get back into that into that race. Whether you're talking about the first spot or the second spot in this division. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, it's not all within their hands. And when was the last time we said that about the Los Angeles Rams? They basically, for the last two years, their future was in their hands. Their destiny was in their hands. It's no longer in their hands right now. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty sudden and shocking, uh, fall to this point, uh, from a team that was hovering in the stars there for what seemed like they were going to be there for a long time. And, and here we are. Uh, so they've got some their their work cut out for them uh, these next couple of weeks, and then beyond that, and they need some help along the way as well. Yeah, Vinny, I'll, I'll close by uh, sharing one of my responses on Twitter. Somebody asked me if it was too early to push the panic button. I said it's okay to put your finger over it. Maybe not push it just yet, but it's it's okay to have your finger uh, over the button, ready to push it. So that's kind of where I am right now. Vinny, before you head out on the road, we'll we'll be back with everybody at the at the end of the week on Thursday um, to talk about that Falcons game, which is suddenly a, a very big game. So we'll interrupt your your laundry and packing long enough to to bring everybody a, a preview episode. But we, we again we we always appreciate uh, the feedback and the great uh, reviews and, and comments on iTunes and things like that. It, it means a lot to us, and we're having a lot of fun doing this. So. Thanks for listening, and you can always give us your feedback on, on Twitter. Vinny is at Vinny Bonsignor. 
I am at Rich underscore Hammond. So if there's anything else that you're curious about that you want us to talk about later on in the week, uh, let us know. But we'll be back then to preview uh, Rams Falcons and 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 give Vinny a, a bon voyage to, with his great trip. So we'll, we'll talk to everybody then. And uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely. And one other thing, just keep your heads up because think of it this way. The Rams are three and three. But there's more games left to be played than have already been played. So there's still a lot of season left. Uh, we've seen the NFL uh, go haywire. Uh, it's, it's just such a long season. And where we are right now doesn't necessarily dictate where we're going to be, uh, you know, uh, 10 weeks from now, 11 weeks from now. So keep your head up. Um, there's still a lot of season left to play. But I'd be hovering around the panic button myself right now with my hands so (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll we'll check on the panic button index uh, as we go along but uh, thanks Vinny and, and thanks everybody and we'll talk to you later have a good one